Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you, uh, you hear that sound? You hear that? I hear that. Let, yeah. Let's all hear that. I hear let's it. Let's hear it for the boys. Let's hear it for the boys. <laughs> let's oh, give man. the boys a hand. This is another episode of Let's Hear It for the Boys, uh, the podcast about the boys on Prime Video. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And that's what you call sneaking up on your intro. That's called <laughs> a slow walk in it. And I love it. And I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the second episode of season one of The Boys, Cherry. So nobody lose it. We're going to get into it and talk about oh, this episode. Come okay. on, dude. No. That's what it's all about, baby. No, bro. Baby. No. Yeah, that is. That's what the episode is all about. It's all about everybody losing their cherry one way or another on various things. That's what the show does. It doesn't hold back. It goes just for goes it. for it. Now, we are doing a rapid catch-up for Season 1 because we, uh, frankly, missed talking about it the first time around. Uh, So we're going to talk about briefly what happened in this episode, and then we'll talk about some of our highlights, some of our favorite moments. So if you haven't watched the second episode of The Boys for whatever reason, definitely watch it first. We're not going to touch on every point here. Um, We're going to certainly talk about some of the big themes, other things that are going on. Uh, Now, I think we... We all watched the first episode together. We hosted a That's screening. Goddamn right. We watched it together. We were all kind of blown away by it. Really enjoyed it. Um, what did you think? And maybe this is like going back in time to when you watched the season the first time. What did you think about the second episode? How do you feel it picked up on the first? Well, that's the thing. Like after somebody uh, gets run through in the first episode, I was like, all right, we're going to kind of switch gears and this is going to kind of settle in. But in the second episode, you have an ass bomb. So it's like it's really (laughs) trucking here, moving forward. Well, that's what I love about this show is it doesn't – I feel like in a lot of shows you get like pilot, which feels a little bit like the feature film version of a show where it's like here's all this stuff. We This is what we want to do with the show. And then the second episode of a lot of shows is like, okay, uh, here's what we're we're actually going to be doing. It's it's going to be much more chill. This is what we can afford to do and put out there. So this is – yeah. And it's a little more reasoned. It's a little more like, uh, oh, we have to set up all these plot points. This show pays off so much plot from the pilot in a great way and sets up so much at the same time and is just going so hard all all the time while still having some yeah. like quiet, smart moments that are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, on that note, it's interesting to me – I think you're right. I mean, effects wise, in terms of violence and raunchiness and everything else that's going on, uh, certainly it doesn't back off at all in the second episode. Um, They didn't save all the shocks or anything like that. But at the same time, coming from the perspective of reading the comic book, it's kind of fascinating to be like, the first episode is Huey meets Butcher. The second episode, I very clearly remember 
Okay, we're going to get into this, and this is going to be like, and now we're getting the band together. We're getting all, literally, the boys together. Mm-hmm. The boys are back in town. And when I think about it, I think we probably should have called the podcast that, but it's too late now. Uh, the, <laughs> the oh, that's bo- too bad. It's a great, you know, that's a great song. Yeah, it's a very good song. And it also so describes this song, though. They're both good songs. Any songs yeah. about boys are good. Oh, yeah. let's, not, let's not be assholes. And then Name this song's one- about girls. They're good. Oh, they, honestly, I, I I can't think of a bad song. Period. Yeah, and all <laughs> songs are good. Well, and I, it's funny you say that. I do think this show specifically, the music in the Boys series is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, like they spent some cash on yeah, the music dude. for this show. They and they use it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. Cherry Bomb comes in in this episode, it is fucking nice. Ah, it's great. It's, Interesting. It's interesting, uh, like the fine line using pop songs or pop. Not, not it's not necessarily a pop song, but like pop, literally popular songs in TV mm. shows. Because that's where pop. That's where pop songs come from. Oh, really? It's short I didn't know for that. that. Well, I think like Cherry Bob isn't a pop song, right? But like it's a very popular, very well known song. And to your point, like there's a fine line between just bringing in a song that. Uh, hits a thud, you know, when you put it mm-hmm. out there, like it just brings everything to a screeching halt because you're like, all right, this is very obvious what you're doing here versus the way that they use it in the boys. They have a very good music supervisor, clearly who came in and laid everything down in exactly the right way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it feels, and like these, I already said it, but these are expensive songs. So like, these mm-hmm. are like their big asks and they got them because it's Amazon. And that's why whenever you order something and a package arrives, it's like, <laughs> this is, that money's going to some music for the boys. That's well, a great way also, to picture it. I think that, that pans through, we talked about this in the first episode a little bit, that pans through the effects as well, where to be blunt, a lot of the stuff on Pride Video before the boys looked bad. You know, just the effects are like, not the right level. They're very cheap looking. They're very stilted. It looks like they probably could have spent at least another week or two to make them look the right way. And even if the show is good, that takes you out of it. Here, everything is so slick across the board and so well done. Yeah, again, I think it comes down to, like we lauded last week, Eric Kripke is a great showrunner who knows what he's doing. He knows how to put those effects the right way on screen and make the money count. But also, they clearly did put down a ton of money for this. And you can see, not to get too wonky about it, Prime Video before The Boys and Prime Video after The Boys, there's clearly a push to be like, let's make these shows look right. Let's not let them look like garbage because it's ultimately hurting the shows. Well, it's especially on on them to make it look great because they are going after superhero culture and superhero movies and TV shows where the effects are at that level. Like if you're going to sort of satirize Justice League, um, MCU, Avengers, all that, like you have to come at them at their level. And I think this show meets that. I want to call I'm going to throw a term out that I think I just came up with. I feel like this is prestige TV. Oh, interesting. What are some other examples of prestige prestige? Like Presti- the prestige, the like movie, the prestige, like the first <laughs> the prestige. That's what this is. This is like the first part is uh-huh. this, and then the second part is this, oh and God. then the third part is the prestige. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. I'm going to start using that. I think 
That's a good. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's a, it's an interesting term. I just want to throw it out there. Prestige TV. Let's see if wow. it, let's see if it hooks. Yeah, let's talk about some broad overviews of well, the plot. Yes. Okay. Pete. Yeah. No. No. Go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, Say I wanted to talk about some that you brought up. Like, you know, we kind of we uh, met Butcher, and then this one we we do meet Frenchie, which I yes. think is a great uh, kind of like. Yeah bad guy who's a good guy type of situation. And I was trying to think about why I love Frenchie so much. You know what I mean? Like He's a good guy. A beca- what? He's a good guy. He's not a bad guy. Well, you know, he's also trying to kill uh, a, a so-called hero. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he yeah, has but- like a fun accent and stuff. He seems yeah. charming. He, it's this thing, like, I don't know what it is about him. He, he treats people nicely, but he's very casual with drugs and explosives. And I'm just trying to be like, what is it about this guy that is so great? Even when he, he's like the tense moments, the way he plays uh, Homelander is ballsy. Like a lot of people in that situation would crack or not be able to handle himself. But he was smooth as cucumber. He was smooth as a cucumber, a classic. A, a, a notably smooth vegetable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing smoother than a spiny old cucumber, I'll tell you that much. When, I, when uh, I go down and get my monthly wax, I always say, make me smooth as a cucumber. <laughs> I mean, Pete, that was the point that I, I was actually trying to get towards is in the comic books. Honestly, it's been years since I've read them, so I don't remember how it pans out. But watching this episode, my impression was, okay, Frenchie is going to come in. The female is going to come in. Mother's Milk is going to come in. We're going to get the whole group together. That's what the second episode is about. And instead, as we'll see as we talk through the season, it's a pretty slow build. They take their time bringing in these characters, but... To the credit of the show, I think it's so you could understand each of them individually. Like you were saying, this episode, we find all about Frenchie. We learn about him, his wants, his motivations, his needs. We find out more about Huey and Butcher and everybody else while spending time on the seven. It's a very balanced show across the board. Yeah. And I like that. I like that they took the time to really move through each character because they are all so specific and it's so much smarter to have to introduce them along with a plot point since there's also so much plot happening in the show. And with this, where it's like, we have translucent, what do we do? Frenchie's on board. His whole thing is how can I kill this soup? And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great way that, that he cracks the code. So to give the broad overview of the episode, as you kind of just mentioned here, Justin, uh, the big plot line of the episode is picking up at the cliffhanger of the last episode. We pick up right a moment afterwards. You love that, Pete. Love it. Uh, Huey is in his electronics store with Butcher. They think they've just killed Translucent. They've got to get rid of the body. They put him in the trunk, find out that actually he's alive. So they recruit Frenchie, bring him in. Also, Butcher admits he's not with the CIA. Right. Yeah, we can talk about, like, some of the littler points and come back to them in a second. Just Yeah, just want to give, like, the broad strokes of the plot. Uh, So they take (laughs) Fred. Pete, what? No, no, I'm just saying. Oh, you're just saying, fuck you? Yeah, I'm just saying, (laughs) fuck you. Just give me the figure? Okay. Oh, nice and casual. I like it. Yeah. 
Thanks, buddy. That's good. I like that we have sort of a boys mentality about doing this podcast as well. <laughs> well, we're like, we're all yeah. rowing in the same direction, but fuck you for doing it. Fuck you for putting your paddle in the water. <laughs> so they take uh, take him to Frenchie. Frenchie takes them to a restaurant. They put Translucent in a cage. They're trying to figure out how to kill him because they know he's seen their faces. If... He goes back to the seven. They are dead at this point. And Huey is essentially faced with a choice of should he let them kill Translucent, even though really Huey's Adriat is a train for killing his girlfriend, or should he do what he feels is the right thing and let him go? And ultimately, by the end of the episode, he for better or for worse, kills Translucent. At the same time as Homelander, the Superman-esque character, is tracking down Frenchie and Butcher, and they're trying to distract him. Uh. So that's the main plot line. We have our two subplot lines. One is Annie, a.k.a. Starlight, who is the newest member of the Seven, the Justice League-esque super team. She is still reeling for the events of the last episode, where the Deep, the Aquaman-esque character, sexually assaulted her. She, unfortunately, is forced into a team-up with him this episode flips out a little bit goes on a little vigilante justice on her own uh and gets uh called on it because it turns out you can't really do that when you're one of the biggest celebrities in the world and it's pretty fucked up and the tertiary thing that's happening is with stillwell who is the liaison between the voight corporation and the seven uh she is dealing with the fallout of homelander as it turns out, going rogue and yeah. destroying a senator's airplane last episode, uh, as well as dealing with some new blackmail of her own. She blackmails a senator. Her overarching thing, not to spoil too much, but it's pretty clearly laid out in this episode. She's trying to get a government contract for superheroes for Voight, which surprisingly is not something that happened yet. The government seems pretty resistive to it. Uh, and so she ends up using a shifter to blackmail a senator into furthering her goals. So yeah. that's the broad strokes of everything. Let's go back. Pete, you wanted to talk about uh, something, something specific about Butcher not being a fed? Yeah, well, because Huey is like, okay, you know, part of the thing is like, okay, I'll work with this guy who's legit. And then he finds out that, like, as they're driving the car, that he's not, uh, you know, legit. He's more of a guy who's just fucking doing this and, like, you know, is not... Uh, yeah, he's in more shit than he originally thought. So it's just kind of a big... Huey's dealing with a lot in this episode, and it's kind of like him deciding who he's going to be. You know, and as we walk through the episode, there's a lot of moments where he's got to make a choice, and it's that thing of, like, is he going to kill? Is he going to actually do it? You know, we get a call from the dad, and the dad's like, hey, come home. Like, this, you're dealing with too much. Don't make bad decisions, you know? And it's that goddamn sign, you know, that pushes him over the edge. What is what it? Sign? So it's a messy baby. Yeah. And it says, I wrote Keep it your hands clean. Keep your hands clean. Keep your hands clean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the stuff, the Huey stuff in this episode is so good. It, it's, yeah. it, it, it puts the sort of target for him in such a specific way because what he does in this episode is he has this anger. He wants revenge on A-Train. And he has, they have translucent, and he sort of wants to like be like, ah, this. What do we do about this? We need to solve this problem, but we can't kill him. And then over the course of the episode, he tries to be nice to translucent, translucent, and uh, translucent is a dick. Um, and he sort of realizes that 
it's not just one bad apple in this bunch. It's that these all of these soups are rotten. And he then makes the choice to kill him in a pressure situation while also maintaining his innocence about it. Like, yeah. he keeps his point of view as this sort of, like, righteous person, character, our, our sort of protagonist, while at the same time killing someone. And yet I don't think he loses a step as far as, like, having our sympathy for him. It's a really just, like, a nuanced... Very tricky yeah, thing a fine to, line to walk yeah, right there. And they know? do such a good job of making us feel like he made the right choice that none of the rest of the boys wanted to do. And he does it, yet he still is the innocent one, which I think is I, difficult. I tell you, rewatching this, like the acting and the actors who they got for these roles are just destroying this there it's so good in so many different ways and Huey this episode you as Justin's saying he has to kind of like even though he's a straight up murdering somebody we still have to feel good about it Jack Quaid I mean he's got he's got acting uh, mm-hmm. genes yeah that, that Meg Ryan uh flowing through him mm-hmm. uh, I'll have he's what she's the... having come on yeah yeah also Dennis Quaid Yes, of course. I was going to get to Dennis Quaid. That was a given. That was a given. I was was starting with Meg Ryan, and then we're all going to talk about our favorite Dennis Quaid roles right now. Frequency. Great. (laughs) Uh, Pete, you surely must have a Dennis Quaid fave. That's tough. Um, And remember, it's not Randy Quaid. Right. Yeah, I know Randy Quaid. Not Independence Day. It's also not Quaid, the guy that Arnold Schwarzenegger is looking for in Total Recall, who has Quato in his tummy. Yeah. Yes, let's remember that it's not that guy. I think I would say the rookie. Um, oh, okay. Wow, yeah, great. Yeah, we played the baseball player. It's, I'm, I congratulate you for having an answer because I don't have one. Is he? Was he an <laughs> IQ? <laughs> the <Sure>. Einstein movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I, what do you think about his choice here? Like, what would you do in that situation? Because... Well, What's nice is it's clear because he, uh, you know, he talks to Translucent and Translucent is a fucking asshole. He's just like, hey, listen, kid, at the end of the day, I'm going to go home and have drinks and live a great life. And you you go back to whatever you do. You're nothing. You're nobody. Now, if you're a guy in the cage, you know, who could die. You would think maybe you would try to be nice, but Translucent's not at all. And Huey's like, you know what? Fuck all this, man. You know, you're not better than me. I I don't know if that is totally it. I mean, I think part of it is him standing up for himself for the first time in his life. But also, as gets laid out multiple times in the episode, it's about him getting vengeance on A-Train. Like, it's an indirect thing. He doesn't have A-Train there in the cage. A-Train is the person who killed his girlfriend, but he does have Translucent with a bomb up his ass, and he can do something about that. And I think that ultimately leads to that decision. Like, A-Train got to go free. Translucent does not. Well, but I I also think the A-Train killing Robin was just obviously a visceral, epic moment that uh, for for Huey and all of us as viewers as well. But I also think it speaks to a larger sort of uh, disaffected feeling that Huey has in his life where that he hit the, this woman that he loved or at least liked and was dating 
was killed and the repercussions for the killer were nothing. And he, there was no way to win this situation. It exposed so much of the darkness of the world. And I think that's what translucent is also doing here. He's like, uh, I'm, I'm like everything else in your life. Like I'm going to get away with whatever I want. And you're the one who's going to suffer for it. And so Mm -hmm. I think even beyond Robin's death, it speaks to a larger, just, disillusionment with how everything in the entire world works. And I think yeah. that's what has him, that's now what also, caused him to press the button. Homelander echoes that when he goes into the kind of like hyped up IT department and is like, I am Homelander. I can do whatever I want. So fucking give me what I want. Yeah. The thing that I think is interesting about this show versus the comic books is in the comic books, the superheroes are completely evil. Like, there's yeah. nothing redeeming about them whatsoever. Even in the early going here, you know, atri- there's sympathy for them. Not necessarily for Homelander, though there's a weird interest in what he's doing, I think. Just yeah. he, there's something clearly off about him, which we'll talk about in a second, I'm sure, in this episode. Mm-hmm. But... Translucent is a dick, but like he's not an irredeemable dick. You know, he's just, he's literally what it is. Like he lays out to Huey in his speech where he says, I'm invisible all the time. I get to see what people are like. So I'm like that. You know, that's who I am. I'm just all out there. Like I am actually the most visible version of myself I possibly can be. And I think that was a smart choice they made for the show. They in the comic, it's very much like, oh, can can you imagine if the Justice League were actually all evil? And that's the comic book sort of premise that they were dealing with. And the show is sort of like, hey, look at this. We have the we're exposing celebrity and how it makes these people into bad heroes. Like I yeah. feel like the target here isn't these people are bad. It's celebrity culture and the the society we have mm-hmm. that uh, lionizes these people is bad and here are the uh, repercussions of that. And yeah. I think you're right Alex it makes it, it makes for a much better show because having sympathy for Translucent when he is then blown up via his asshole is great. It <laughs> makes for a better bomb. show. It's an ass bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah also it's this kind of like they they talk about the corporate nature of superheroes in this world, right? And how, you know, everybody's spinning angles and all this kinds of stuff. So it's like they always got to think about their image and, uh, you know, team up and tweets just, and likes and all that. Just like of, us. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's also talking about how all that is is evil as well and how, like, it's not as we perceive, like, oh, look, Somebody just happened to be caught on film doing something amazing, you know, where it's like, how did they know that there were going to be three dudes who are easily going to be robbed and uh, kind of like in a place right by the water, which is perfect for the deep who just happens to be there waiting. You know what I mean? So it's like this thing that people aren't seeing as well that, you know, where it's all cut out and put in bite sized bits. So it's easily kind of digested. Well, let's let's talk about that. I mean, I think you've segued pretty nicely into Annie's storyline, which, as you mentioned, they do have this team up. It's clearly like I'm curious to hear how it struck you guys, because to me, it's like it's a reality TV setup. I don't even know if the crime was real or anything like that so much as it was a photo op. Yes, I think that's 100 percent right. 
Yeah, and it's yeah. also interesting because it was like we got to see those, uh, you know, Homelander dolls earlier in the commercial, and then okay, Homelander dolls, but now they've got drugs in them, which is cool because it's also like a little bit of foreshadowing of like if you just kind of open Homelander up a little bit or put any kind of attention on him, you'll see how fucked up this guy is, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like uh, the juxtaposition between this, um, them going and doing uh, this thing versus Starlight's then stopping of the sexual assault, where it was real, but it was bad that it was caught on tape when this was mm-hmm. fake and it was destined to be caught on tape. It's such yeah. a good just like point counterpoint of like what the deal is with these heroes. Also, like fucking Starlight straight up. Like being told, okay, you have to team up with the deep. Like, oh, great. The guy who fucking sexually assaulted me? Awesome. And then, like, okay, if that's what's going to happen, the way she talks to him the whole time on the stakeout was fantastic. Yeah. Like, she was like, you're a fucking fish guy. I can't believe I fucking fell for this. And, like, I will fucking end you. I fucking love that. The... Deep storyline continuing with that was one of the things I was most nervous about while I was watching season one, because there were so many ways that it could have gone wrong. And I think ultimately they do again, not going into spoilers in case you haven't watched all of the episodes, but I think they do hit it the right way. Like they, they walk that line the right way. But here, the thing that's kind of fascinating about this episode is Yeah, if you're sexually assaulted or sexually harassed in the workplace, there are multiple times where people ignore those signs, they ignore any reports, and continue to make you work with that person. And I think that's what they were riffing off here. Of course, it's a superhero situation, so she's able to make her eyes glow, make some light bulbs pop, and say, I will fry your eyeballs out, or whatever she says. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a slightly different situation there. But the other thing that I think is kind of fascinating that they do to the point of balancing the superheroes is you also get a plot line in this episode where the deep has gone down, explored the wreckage of the airplane, found two pinpoint holes potentially made by uh, heat vision from somebody's eyeballs and ends up in big trouble with Homelander there. So you get all of these complicated dynamics where like, the deep is trying to have power over starlight. Starlight is like, fuck you. No, I'm not having any of this, but ultimately the deep has no power when it comes to Homelander in the room. And yeah. that's great. Like all of this stuff is, well, it's not exactly chess pieces, but it's certainly emotional chess pieces that are going to be setting up right here at the beginning of the season. And what's crazy is like the dynamics change all the time on the show. Like, when, uh, you know, Homelander's around Elizabeth Shue, it seems like she has, like, real status over him and the way she kind of plays him sometimes. But then, like, after, you know, she beats the crap out of those dudes, uh, Starlight beats the crap out of the dudes, she sees Homelander and she's like, hey, Homelander. And he looks like a crazy person who is just staring at a picture of himself. You know what I mean? So it's like... She's like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. You seem like a crazy person. You know what I mean? Where it's like all of a sudden his status is kind of knocked down a little bit because she's like, what are you doing, guy? You know, so it's like very interesting the way it's kind of always changing. 
Yeah, and I think that's a great point when it comes to the deep and as his story goes forward uh, for the rest of the season. But also, even with A-Train, who we are introduced as like this super villain, careless, kills Robin, and then he has this scene at the top of the episode where he's trying to do this make-a-wish thing, and he just blows it. And it's just so embarrassing. Like, he's not evil, he's stupid. So, like, Mm -hmm. they do such a good job of undercutting both the heroes and the... um, quote unquote heroes meaning the boys and also the soups and meaning like they're evil but also they're just stupid regular people like stupid children who haven't gotten their shit together yeah and it's yeah that was just crazy where it was like yeah man uh you know as soon as you get better i'll teach you you know how to run fast as fast as me he's like yeah you're gonna teach me how to outrun cancer and then he has to like look at the camera and be like, "Hey, train." <laughs> That's what like, I, I just oh. thought it was so. In an ep- one episode later, after we've seen this person, and it, it, we're with Huey, and Huey is like, "This is the person I'm trying to destroy," and we get to, we see him be absolutely ruined by this uh, this cancer patient. And it's just like you're constantly flipping. Like you're talking yeah. about Homelander in this episode. He's like this hero, and then you see him. He's like fetishized uh stillwell uh pumping breast yeah. milk and it's like the mommy issues here are oh my god you're so con- creepy it's because they like turn yeah. up the volume of the pump machine in a creepy way too where you're like what is what well, is this you, guy into you turned up the volume on your computer pete right yes. that's what you're saying that's what no, you're I, saying because uh, you, you have how, a fetish for that how would you <laughs> no, no you love breast milk you drink yeah, breast milk. I, I, I you're just wearing put around a, you're wearing yeah. a shirt that says Pump Nation right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pump Nation. I know you thought that was a Reebok thing, but no, it's actually about <laughs> it's about breast milk. No, uh, drinking point. breast milk. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like fresh milk, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and Homelander share the same thing, and I love it. I can't believe you leaned into that, Pete. Uh, Thank yeah, you, I'm, Pete. I, yeah. Look what you've done to me. <laughs> Oh boy, how's that uh, Bud Extra Nitro treating you? Oh my God! Don't listen to the commercials, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter what the who's telling you; it's good. It's not. It's not good. Bud Extra Nitro, pump yourself one. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that's actually very nice about watching these episodes again is seeing all of the things that they're laying in beyond the emotional arcs for the characters. Little things like uh, they set up the race between A-Train and the other speedster that I think is going to happen next episode. I honestly don't remember, but like yeah, while they're flipping through A-Train the channels. Yeah, there's a quick shot of that. Uh, also, later on, when Stillwell is at the party with all the senators and everything, uh, uh, the party is for Samaritan's Embrace, uh, which, again, we get a, a paid off a couple of episodes down the road. Uh, so, I don't know. I, that's also, Pop Claws. It sets up Pop Claws. Yeah, at the yeah. end of the episode, we find out that A-Train has a relationship with Pop Claw, who we're going to meet pretty soon. Um, but... That's one of the things that I think is, this sounds very dumb to say in 2020, but one of the things that's very good about a binge show is you're writing all the episodes at the same time so you can go back and tweak things so that things set up other things and you make sure 
when, again, when you have a good showrunner, when you have a good writing staff, that everything feels very cohesive like that. But they're downplaying, they're underplaying a lot of the stuff. So it's Easter eggs if you go back and watch it. Um, it's not necessarily necessary for the plot, uh, but it pays off nicely in a couple of episodes' time. Also, uh, Homelander sets up uh, the deep as a dolphin fucker as well, so... That yeah. pays off later. Mm, it really, know. really pays off later. Yes, it absolutely does. Uh, we talked about Starlight's plotline a little bit. One other thing that I wanted to call out, uh, there's a lot more Ashley, the PR rep in this episode. Yes, love Ashley. So great. She, I don't love Ashley. Well, what, why, why don't you love her? Because she's just, you know, making people do things they don't want to do. And uh, it's... You know, she's stressed out. It makes me stressed out when I see her. It's, you know, mm-hmm. she that whole part where she was like, all right, great job, Starlight. Now stand over here, stand over this body and be like, this is lit. And it's like, oh, God. But I yeah. love that. I feel like in a world where the like Homelander Stillwell stuff feels so intense and Elizabeth Shue does such a good job throughout this whole season where she is playing the game and is like pretty evil, but she also also looks terrified all the time. Yeah. Like it's great. Ashley is the uh, secret sitcom that's happening this entire mm. time. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the what I was specifically saying was the actress uh, Colby Minifee is I think how it's pronounced. She after this she ended up playing the villain on Fear the Walking Dead, and is so good as that. Like Fear the Walking Dead is kind of back and forth as a show, but her presence is just very calm and demure, but at the same time menacing. She's great. I like her a lot, and I. I would love to see more of her in a potential, not a potential, but in boys season two. Yeah, for sure. Um, if she survives, I honestly don't remember. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but she's also great there's, uh, sorry, but, but speaking of like great kind of like actor moments, the part where like butcher was like, Oh, okay, well, uh, if we're having problems with this, I'm going to go solve it by doing this thing. And he like walks out the door, puts his jacket on, just stops. And it's just like, <sighs> Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, just really great, great kind of like little moments where we're like following these uh, characters and they are struggling, you know, and it's kind of fun to see the fact that they have these little moments in there that they kind of show and focus on. Yeah. And that just slowly setting up Butcher versus Homelander as a thing. Like, we get yeah. a little more clues in this episode. We get more next episode. Like, is really, really great. And that whole detective uh, moment where he goes and sees, like, breaks in this detective's house for files, you know, old soup files. And, like, sure, we get a lot of them talking about things they probably wouldn't say out loud. Like, because of you, you can't go anywhere near soups, you know, like, uh, stuff like that. But uh, it's just the different, like, dynamics that's going to pay out later. Uh, It's very interesting to see Butcher trying to struggle to come up with ideas, you know. Uh, one other moment, this is apropos not of what we're talking about at all, but that I love so much is the payoff of Huey's kindness, giving translucent water. He drinks a cup of water that allows him to pee in the cup later on and use it to short out the electrical uh, yeah. fence, the mm-hmm. cage that's holding him in. 
great. Just because, again, like like we would talk about, it's tied into the emotional arc of the episode. It's Huey being a nice guy, it getting thrown right back at him, like literally almost piss being thrown in his face. Uh, and but at the same time, it's just a fun little twist there. So yeah, good stuff. Any other great. moments from the episode you want to call out? Uh, I really like the uh, Starbright beating up the uh, Starlight in the street. Yeah. Yeah, Star Bright, Starlight, Starlight. First star I see tonight. You know? Do you think that was a setup? Do you think that was also Void Corporation setting her up for that? Ooh, interesting. Interesting. No, I don't think so. That camera was rolling on her. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't see who was behind the camera, who just happened to be, you know, videotaping some girl getting raped in an alleyway. I don't know. I felt like that was a real stoppage of her because what yeah. was that what would be their corporate uh gain by well to make her follow the rules and yeah you know yeah just to test her to see if she would yeah, test intervene her, see what she'd do yeah yeah i mean not to get too raunchy about it or anything but like the title of the episode is cherry and both for huey and starlight this is them losing their cherry. This is Huey killing his first soup. This is Annie going on her first mission and both of them finding out it's not all it's cracked up to be. Like there's, yeah, it's disappointing ultimately, just like most first times are. Um, oh, so boy. Here we no, go. it is. Sorry. Uh, it is. Except for mine. That was fucking amazing. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. I don't want to hear it. I'm not following up. <laughs> no, we don't should all really no, get into the no, details. No, Here, here's what, what happened about. beat by beat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, You're they were beats? to tell this story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably don't uh, even yes. remember your soul. What? What? Did you say you don't even remember it? No, I was saying you're too old to tell this story. Like, nobody wants to hear an old guy talk about the first time he had sex. I mean, it was yesterday, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, my point being that for both of them, like, it is disappointing. That's the theme of the episode. Uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And how they deal with it going forward is the thing that I think is going to be interesting to see or, in our cases, revisit. Uh, before we wrap up here, who is the best boy of the episode? Last week, of course, we called out the actual best boy, the key grip. So shout out mm. to him. Uh, but this episode, Pete, who's your best boy? I'm going to say uh, Frenchie. Uh, Frenchie is just oh. uh, a lot of fun. And he saves the day by, uh, you know, doing a bunch of drugs and watching animal documentaries. I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, and uh, I think it's fun. It's important to keep learning because you never know when it's going to be able to help you. Hmm. Justin, what about you? Best I boy? Got, gotta go for Huey in this episode. Like, this is basically his origin story um, of being the person that he, being, becoming a boy, a the boy. Uh, going forward, where you see him sort of transform his uh, point of view and ideology from like regular outsider just dealing with these circumstances to someone who's like, I'm in the game, I need to make a change in the world, and I see it more for what it is. Uh, I'm in. That's what I get from this episode, and it's great. And that picture uh, on the wall is probably a younger picture of uh, him. <laughs> Oh, you think the secret theory was he did uh, motivational posters when he was a kid? Yep. Yep. 
Wow. Great. Huge reveal. I'm going to give it to Translucent as my best boy wow. of the episode. Wow. Just Okay. Uh, the way you the actor do love pl- a naked guy in the cage. Uh, I do love a naked guy. The way in the he cage. turns invisible is cool, Alex. <laughs> I just think the way the character holds himself throughout the episode. He's. I mean, I'm sure they covered him a couple of times here and there, but like he uh, he carries himself exactly how the character would carry himself, and the way they plot out his line. Uh, to essentially turn the tables on people, even though he is naked in a cage, I think is very smartly done and well executed. And we're not going to see him again because he blew it up for the ass up. Uh, so you know, peace to my hobby. Wow! <laughs> All out. right. Pour one out, man. You know? Yeah, there you go. All right. And pour one out for yourself. If you (laughs) would like to come talk about the boys live, we have a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at a crowdcast on YouTube. Uh, We talk about comic books. It's called Comic Book Club Live. Uh, Come hang out there. We'll talk to you about the boys. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And until next week, let's hear it for Dim boys. Let's hear it for the boys.